Rochester Church of Christ is called to live God's gospel, truth, and love with the world so that we all may find life together in God. Our hope is that this message will share that gospel, truth, and love in a way that will bless you, enrich you, and better equip you as a disciple. Well, church, football season has begun. Stop it. Last person I wanted to see today was Brother Kevin Nelms. I have bad news for you. Oh, I know it's good news for everyone. Detroit Lions won. We're not used to this kind of success this late in the season. We, we got to act like we've been there. We haven't. Uh, so so that, that's exciting. Michigan won. Michigan, uh, now you haven't played anyone, but Michigan won. We're getting there. We're getting there. Michigan State won. And Alabama lost. Now here's what that means. If the last 25 years of professional ministry have taught me anything is that when Bama loses, I preach meaner <laughs> on Sunday. So we're going to do our best to make it through this, but hold on to your hats. That Texas team is pretty good. I want to start with a reading from God's Word. As we begin a series where I talk about, uh, and the theme is going to come from, the thing I wish that my team had kind of gotten yesterday. We're going to talk about a comeback because God is the God of the comeback. All right, and so we're, we're, going to, we're going to be talking for the next several weeks about what it means to serve the God of the comeback. And so uh, as, we, as we begin and think about that, I want to read from you, I want to read for you from Romans chapter 6, and I'm going to be reading verses 8 through 10. And if you will, it's our tradition to honor the Word of God. If you are willing and able to please stand for the reading of God's Word. The Bible says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. The death He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the victory that is ours in Christ. We thank you for the great comeback where life conquered death, where love triumphed over sin, where grace set us free. Father, I pray that you will speak to us in our lives and that we will hear the gospel of the victory and the comeback that you want to work in our lives. Speak, Father, for your children are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. Helen Keller was born June 27, 1880 in Tuscumbia, Alabama. And for the first 19 months of her life, you may not know this, 
She was completely healthy, could hear and see. She got a sickness at 19 months old that modern doctors believe is meningitis, a form of meningitis, and it stole her vision and her hearing from her. Reflecting on her life later, Helen Keller wrote this, the world is full of suffering, but it is also full of overcoming it. The world is full of suffering, but it is also full of overcoming it. Despite the challenges and the suffering that her illness yielded, Keller was taught to read and write. She went on to become the first American with disabilities to graduate from college, Harvard, no less. And her career as an author, an advocate, and an activist has made her inspirational still today. The world is full of suffering, but it is also full of overcoming it. We love comeback stories. And there's something in our soul that loves a comeback story. Here's the deal. I, here's what I love. You can go to the internet and you can find a lot of things. And one of the things I went and did is I went and searched best comeback stories, right? And I was ready to be super inspired. And eventually I was. But what I love about Google is that it brought me that one of the top comeback stories that we love is fictional and it's Rocky Balboa. <laughs> now, I've given you this picture of Rocky getting absolutely starched by this other guy. Alright, like he is getting crushed in that picture. Because this is how Rocky works. We, who doesn't watch these movies? You cringe as he takes a beating that would absolutely kill any mortal man. But not Rocky. He's got to take the damage before it can unleash the inner barbarian. And then he comes out. That was, a, that was, that was for my role-playing game people. Uh, he's he's going to take the damage he, and it unleashes his strength. He comes out of the gate then in like round seven and decides to finally start doing something effective besides being a punching bag. And, and, and then he wins the fight and you're like, oh, it's the greatest comeback story ever. And he fought some real heavyweights. Look. He didn't just beat Apollo Creed. He had to box Hulk Hogan. I'm not making that up. And Hulk was cheating. Like, he, he, was, he threw him out of the ring. That's wrestling. You can't do that. He fought Mr. T. And even the cheating Russian Ivan Drago. That's right. Couldn't stop him. We love comeback stories. Now, typically comeback stories are divided into two types. The first type is people who achieve great things, and then there's a major setback that almost destroys everything they've worked for. Right? And in this light, I thought of, and, and this is going to date me a little bit, but I'm okay with it. Monica Seles. Okay, now Monica Seles was the youngest player to ever win the French Open at 16. She was tremendous at tennis. And she was on pace to become the greatest tennis player ever because she just kept winning tournament after tournament, major after major. And she was playing in a quarterfinal 
I don't know how many of you remember watching this. When a fan came down to her bench during a timeout and stabbed her in the back on the court. They were really a big fan of her opponent. And it took her, now here's the deal, it took her two months to overcome the physical trauma to her body. It took her two years before she stepped on the court again because of the psychological trauma. That, that she couldn't get back out on the court because of the fear that came with it. She had it all and then it was taken from her. Two years later, she steps on the court and she wins a minor tournament. And over the next 10 years of her career, she goes on to win two major championships. We love comeback stories. Usually when we think of people who have it all and then lose it, we don't have as much sympathy for that because we never had it all to begin with. But when they've lost it, even still we love the comeback. The second type of comeback story is the people who start from nothing, experience major setbacks, and still find a way to make an impact on the world. Now, these are the most amazing stories. All right, so I know I've already used several sports references, and I make it a point not to overuse sports references, because I know not everyone loves sports the way that I do. But if you're hoping I wouldn't use those today, today is not your day. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you. I, I wanna, I'm not just going to tell you. I'm going to show you the best comeback story I've ever seen. All right? And it really happened. All right? Now, it happened in what was the best football game I've ever seen. And I'm just going to let you know now, Alabama's not in it. All right? This, I, I'm telling you, this is my number one. When people say, what's the best football game ever, this is the one I go to. And it's the 2007 Fiesta Bowl. That may not mean anything to many of you, but let me set the stage for what you're about to witness. And I'm not going to show you the whole game. I don't have time. I wish I could. Instead, I'm going to show you a few brief highlights, and I've trimmed it down to less than two minutes, but I, I mean this was tremendous. Here's what happens. Oklahoma University, just, I, I wondered if my Texas fans were going to have anything to say. There we go. <clears throat> Oklahoma University is one of the all-time blue bloods in college football. Whether or not we like them, they are one of the prestigious teams throughout the history of college football. And the team in 2006 was loaded with talent, including a running back called Adrian Peterson, whose nickname was A.D. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, Adrian Peterson should be nicknamed A.P., not A.D. But A.D. didn't stand for Adrian Peterson, or Adrian stood for all day. Because how long was he going to run over everyone on your team? All day he was. All right? Adrian Peterson was the best running back in the nation. They were Goliath. And they had drawn a bowl game against 
the first non-major conference team to be invited to play in a bowl. Boise State. Let me tell you what Boise State was known for. They have a blue field. <laughs> their turf, their astroturf is blue. Still is to this day. So when you're watching it on TV, you think something's wrong with our color. It's blue. That's what Boise State was known for. And so here's this little upstart Boise State program. I want to be clear. Boise State didn't have a baseball team, didn't have a basketball team. That All they had was football. Boise State. They were David. Boise State was undefeated. However... They were from the Western Athletic Conference, which is the WAC. <laughs> That's their actual acronym, only we often refer to it as the weakest athletic conference. So being undefeated in the WAC doesn't mean a lot. We knew we were about to watch an absolute massacre. But somehow, Boise held it close all game. And, 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 and with less than like, a, you know, two minutes left, you're just, you're wondering, could this Cinderella story really happen? And then the big mistake happens. Boise remembers who they are, that they're not Oklahoma, they're Boise State. Let's pick the video up here. It is a spectacular night in the Valley of the Sun as we welcome you to Glendale, Arizona. As is running, they've set. Here's the, the big mistake. Zabransky, a dangerous. It looks like he aimed for that guy. There's your pick six. That's going to make them. That's gonna, with a minute left, Oklahoma is going to take a touchdown lead. But this play, the only time the hook and lateral has ever worked. James, the lateral. Boise State, with 10 seconds on the clock, goes into the end zone. We got us a tie game if the, play, if the kicker can make it. He actually makes it. And now we're going to overtime. This is exciting. Do they have a shot? Let's see what Adrian Peterson thinks. All right, they're going to look at this highlight. This is great. The hook and lateral. There he goes. It's perfect. That other guy says, I decided I didn't want to play. Right by so he runs by him. Because he wasn't expecting that at all. Here we go. And Hands up. That's great. The now, we're going to overtime. Here's Adrian Peterson. One play, one run. First and 10. I'll just go ahead and take it to the house. This one's over. Thanks all for coming. We're seeing the better team step up. But Boise has no quit in And somehow manages to eke out this pass to 91. I don't even know if he's a tight end. Doesn't matter. He's going to catch the ball. Jared Zabransky, the quarterback, went on to play in the CFL for two seasons. And now the Statue of Liberty. For the two-point conversion, Boise State wins. David beats Goliath. This guy goes running into the stands like he's got someone to find. Turns out he does. It's the head cheerleader. We're live TV. Not to lose. All right, I know you're going to propose to your girlfriend. Congratulations. That's right. Tommy's going to really do this. He proposes on live TV after winning the best game of his life. She says yes. They're having a moment. Yes. This guy rubs his head while he's kissing his fiance. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Let me cut. There you go. Like, Hollywood couldn't write a better script than that. 
Yeah. We see stories like that, and, and you're like, who couldn't love that? But when we talk about the kind of comebacks I'm talking about, I don't simply want to be caught up in the Hollywood-looking moment. I want to take it to a deeper level. Because there is a deeper kind of comeback. One that touches spirit. And because these stories always include this moment of, of, of the challenges that you're facing, what's challenging you right now? What challenges and suffering are you facing right now? Is it a conflict with friends or relatives, family members, coworkers? Those relationships are strained. And you're not really sure what to do, but you know you need to come back to renew that relationship. You're wrestling with an addiction, some sort of habitual sin, and you need to come back to move from despair and defeatism to strength and hope. Are you overwhelmed at work, <clears throat> or maybe you just hate your job? Or you can't find a job. Or you can't keep a job. Or you feel stuck at your job. And you need to come back to give you a fresh perspective, a new direction. <clears throat> Students, it might be that you're in a tough place academically. You meant to start the semester strongly, but somehow, even though it's only been a few weeks, it feels like things have gotten out of control. And you don't know if you're going to measure up. And the anxiety is building, and you, <clears throat> you're starting to lose hope. And you feel like you need to come back for fresh strength. Perhaps your marriage is on the rocks. And you need to come back to rekindle the kind of love you felt for each other at one time. Maybe, maybe you're successful and you have all the money you've ever wanted, but you feel like you lack purpose and meaning. And you, you need a comeback to give you that deeper purpose and fulfillment in your life. Maybe you're grieving a deep loss or an awful tragedy. And you need a comeback to give you a next breath, to give you perspective in the midst of pain give you a way forward in your grief. Maybe you're simply disappointed with how life has turned out. And you need to come back to know which way to go now. I have good news for you today. The life that Jesus calls us to enter is a life of comeback. On the one hand, you will overcome obstacles by God's power. Amen? Amen? But on the other hand, on an even deeper level, in this comeback, Jesus isn't just going to overcome obstacles in our life. What's going to happen is this amazing thing where Jesus will redeem the worst of our circumstances for His glory and for our good. 
Comeback stories are amazing in that they expand our perception of what we think is possible. Because God is the God of the comeback, we can have hope. And think about this. It's been happening throughout the whole story. Adam and Eve in the garden. They have everything. And yet somehow they're deceived into trying to get more. And they fall in sin, and humanity falls into sin. And rather, rather than just throwing in the towel and God saying, oh, well, they broke that. This is why we can't have nice things. Instead, God doesn't give up. God pursues them, has a covenant with them, redeems them, went around imprisoning and killing Christians. And he was brought to his knees... So that he could be lifted up into the calling and purpose that God had for Paul's life. Paul's comeback story is so amazing, you almost can't believe it. And then there's the ultimate comeback story. That Jesus is arrested, is beaten, is crucified, and killed on a criminal's cross. Buried in a grave. And three days later, the greatest comeback story ever told happens. The stone is rolled away, and Christ is risen. Instead of staying down, Jesus comes back, resurrected and filled with a life that, that according to Romans 6, we read it, could never be conquered again. Did you hear it? If we die with Christ, we believe we'll also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death is defeated. The enemy is, has lost. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Having been raised, there is victory. And death cannot defeat him. What do you think that means for us? Good news. If we died with Christ, we'll also live with Him. If we've been united with Him in a death like His, we'll certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Romans 6, 4 and 5. How was I united with him in a death like his? Romans 6, 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. When we, when we participate in the death and burial of Christ, the promise is we're going to participate in the resurrection of Christ. That we join ourselves into the greatest comeback story that has ever been told. 
And so whatever's going on, whatever challenge, whatever struggle is in our life, that hope that is given to us and that we live now in Christ is the hope of victory that death will never receive the final word and that the challenges and suffering that we're going on is real, but it's not final. That there is new life waiting. Look at Romans chapter 8. Verse 28, this is is what we believe. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God wants your good. So the comeback story that God is going to tell, it's going to be for God's glory and it's going to be for my good. For God's glory and for my good. It doesn't say God causes all things. It says God works in all things. Chaos happens. Sinfulness happens in this world. Brokenness is there in this world. And it will come into our lives randomly, not an equal share. But God works in all things. For God's glory and for my good. Look at what he says then in verses 31 and following. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who didn't spare his own son, but who gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who's the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Do you see it? Jesus is, a part, Jesus is that comeback story, and you are a part of it. Amen. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. That sounds like we're going to lose. If you read that quote, you're like, "Mm, I don't know. Doesn't sound too hope-filled. But listen, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. We are going to get the comeback. We are going to experience the victory. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. This can only be said by someone who believes in the God of comebacks. Can you go ahead and come up? Whatever you're going through, I have great news. God is the God of the comeback, and your comeback is on its way. You may be convinced that your best days are behind you, but take heart. 
you might be on the verge of one of the best comeback stories ever. Because the tomb is empty. And the old spiritual said it correctly. We shall overcome. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and praise him. Heavenly Father, I pray that this message has been a blessing to those listening. I pray that you would continue to work in our lives in ways that are evident and easily seen. Most of all, I pray thank you for loving us and choosing us. We don't deserve it, but you are so good and so faithful and so true. We thank you for your spirit and your son. May we grow in them to your glory, Father. In Christ's holy name, amen.